um, the 2X drama, B cash pumpage, and of course, B gold and lots of other stuff too. So we've got guests from all over the world. We got, of course, Richard Hart is on the show. Then we've got someone that you've probably never seen before, Robert. Yeah, man, he's a B gold guy. Everyone's got all these questions about B gold, and yet they never, they can simply just ask someone from B gold to be on their show. So that's what I've done. So you're going to have a guy talk about B gold. And then we've got Mitchell. Now, a lot of you are familiar with Mitchell because he's, uh, you know him from Steam It. But first, we're going to start with Richard Hart. All right, dude, welcome to the show. There have been, I have heard that you think Bitcoin is going to get to 20,000 pretty soon. Someone told me it was like December or January you're predicting. What do you think about the price right now? You know, are you enthused? Are you calm? And are you concerned about 2X at all? As you can tell, I'm not very concerned about 2X. So Richard, take it away, baby. I think that uh, subsequent to Wall Street having access to the markets, which comes either through Ledger X or the CME Group, through the Chicago Board of Exchange CFTC licensing, that the price would very easily triple. You could grab a double just based on organic growth and good news and CNBC and such. But with Wall Street coming in, the amount of money they have is just so gigantic that the price has to triple. If you look at the bubbles that Wall Street has blown up in housing, real estate, stocks, it's just gigantic. So when you take the bubble inflating power of the stock system, and the existing financial giants, the one percenters. And then you multiply that by the easy bubble that comes from a thing that has no overhead, basically a giant accounting system, which is Bitcoin. You, those two bubbles combined is calling for a triple is an understatement as far as I'm concerned. So if, uh, if Wall Street doesn't get in and we're just restricted, well, not if they don't get in, but if they don't get in by Christmas, which is my prediction, then I would down grade my estimate from 20k by Christmas to 10k by Christmas based on organic growth. Now we are at a, at a problem right now with price where we've run up against this linear rather logarithmic trend line, which historically uh, Bitcoin has bounced off of very hard. And you know, depending on how you draw your, your lines on your chart, we're kind of bouncing off of support at the 7200 level. So we've, we've passed the linear, the logarithmic trend line, and now the resistance has become support. However, there is a chance that uh, it doesn't hold. And then we're de we're good for a 10% drop, a little shakeout. If we shake out, you know, hard enough, then we'll drop uh, up to 30%, maybe even 40%. So this is very easy. You just put your chart on logarithmic, look back into the past, draw a line on the bottoms, line on the tops. You're gonna see that we bounce around in that channel and uh, we're at the top of that channel now. So we're either gonna have a paradigm shift, we'll blow right through and the sky's the limit. We, we go parabolic, you know, end of 2013 style or 2012, I've been at this so long, I can't remember. And then, uh, or we, we bounce down for a 10 to maybe 30% retracement if uh, that, that logarithmic trend line holds. That was the price question. Did you have another question? Yeah, well, first of all, I think I can conclude there by saying, have a strong hand, people. There, it, it could go down, but in the long run, it's gonna go up by quite a bit. Yeah, the second part was, what do you think about this 2X stuff? I think that the 2X people are a bunch of jerk off losers and uh, that any systems that you try to make, <laughs> I was told not to curse and I didn't yet. You didn't, you didn't lucky. curse yet, no. You didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know, I know, I was about to uh, continue, continue. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of intelligent people try to do what they think is the best uh, upgrades and improvements they can to a global decentralized censorship resistance consensus system, which is Bitcoin. And what they don't understand is that any time you as a central party attempt to influence, control, or even improve the system, you destroy the system. Every single change that occurs in this system needs to come from the many and go to the few. If it goes from the few to the many, then any bad actor, any bad person, any bad entity, or any bad government could come, handcuff you, and make you change the system. So all of the changes and improvements to this system must come from the many to the few. And you know, otherwise intelligent, useful, smart people 
don't understand that part of the game. They don't understand why eGold failed and why uh, Xiaomi and Cash failed and why other um, electronic replacements for currency have failed. And it's because bad people will come and lock your ass up. So if you don't want the system to fail, you have to stop trying to improve it from having backroom, literally backroom signed agreements from central parties. Doesn't matter if their intentions are good. Doesn't matter if, you know, uh, they're even good ideas. The first and most important thing is censorship resistance and then security and then adoption and price and everything else is last block size throughput, all that other stuff, they're add-ons. They're not core requirements. So I think, I think S2X will fail. And hopefully the most important thing that the S2X guys could do would be to add replay protection and give us free tokens, give us free money. Then they get free money. We get free money. Everybody gets free money, you know? So let's hope that they discover that they do not have consensus and that they're not really upgrading the network. And that if they were to successfully upgrade the network in any way, it would be harmful because now there are central parties that can be made to harm the network. If you can improve it, you can harm it. Right? So yeah. That's my position on S2X. Very nice. Get, show us the free crypto dividends. Put in that replay protection. Get rid of the drama, dudes, because you're not going to win. Pound that like button, people, if you loved what Richard Hart said. So let's. this is a good segue into Robert. Robert, uh, what do you think about 2X? How does it relate to be gold? Um, I have been telling people for a long time that B-Gold is the friendly fork. They're not trying to do harm to Bitcoin. They're just doing a new thing. Robert, take it away. Hey, Adam. Well, it's a tremendous pleasure for me to be on your show and to follow up the great Richard Hart. It's just extraordinary. <laughs> but uh, to get to my, uh, my answer about B-Gold and B2X, Segwit2X, um, well, first, let me just give you my my take on the, the SegWit 2X thing. What I think might be going on, just one conspiracy theory, is that the the SegWit 2X and the Bcash people, the Bcash people just want SegWit 2X to take out the main Bitcoin chain to make it inoperable, either through the replay attack thing or just by taking enough of the hash rate away. They just want to kill it somehow and hope that Bcash can uh, slide ahead and be like, oh, the only alternative is Bcash. We didn't do the, the Segwit2x thing, so now we're the real Bitcoin. We're the true uh, Craig Wright or whatever, <laughs> whatever their thing's going to be. But um, my the thinking behind Beagle, uh, what, what I was thinking when I saw that project, the coder who was working on that, and I saw his vision, what he was trying to, to do. And my idea was to help him to build it into a, a friendly fork that would compete with Bcash and B2X, try to minimize them to dilute attention, to, to dilute market value from them, to weaken them, to make the true Bitcoin's path to dominance uh, easier. and based on what we've seen from when I started the project, at least the metrics that I set myself, uh, Bitcoin price was about 4,000. Now it's over 7,000. Look at the, the Bcash price. Uh, back then it was in the high teens, 0 0.18, 0.17 or so. Bitcoin now it's it's uh, under 10, it's been down to five. So. Uh, We'll see what happens with Segwit2x, but it's not looking very good for Segwit2x. It's only a matter of how much disruption it's going to cause. It's not going to be the upgrade that people like uh, Vinny Lingham are now saying that it's an upgrade, uh, trying to, to to put that veneer on it. But that's that's not going to happen either. So hopefully it's going to fail. And I think that it, by failing, that just adds more fuel to Bitcoin when people realize that not even the the, the top corporations can unite to to uh, impose their own vision on it. So, yeah, Eagle's yeah. just playing a small role in that, and but it's part of this this game of forks that's going on. I like a game of forks. You know, go, going back to your Bcash conspiracy theory, and I think we'll talk about this later. But yeah, I think I think Bcash is going to benefit from all the fud that that's being thrown around, 
and, and there will be a pump. I mean, it's already started the pump. But let, let's go to be, give everyone a quick update about B Gold. Where does it stand? When do you think it's going to go live? Because people ask me this every day. How the how's the test net coming along and all that? Well, the test net went live about a, about a day and a half ago, and within the first hour, there were twenty thousand unique miners who had jumped on the test net just to prepare their their systems for when the the network goes goes live. So I don't have a a firm date for when the main net's going to go live. Uh, it's very important that all of the edge cases are sorted out and um, just security above all else. Uh, they're not doing this for, you know, just for some artificial pump deadlines or something like this. There's actually an idea behind Bitcoin Gold, which is to try to perform a successful proof of work change on Bitcoin so that hopefully if we can make this experiment a success six months, a year from now, we have a Bitcoin gold blockchain going, being mined by Equihash, and we have this global network of Bitcoin gold GPU miners that hopefully in the future when Bitcoin wants to change the proof of work from SHA-56 because of these misbehaving monopolists, if that situation keeps getting worse, uh, then the, the technical foundation will be there for Bitcoin to switch to. Um, so that, that's where we're going. That's kind of the long-term uh, vision that we have, trying to pave the way for Bitcoin to free itself from the bad actors who've been hurting it through the domination of mining. Well, thank you very much for uh, that update and some new information there. I'm sure the people out there are loving it over there in the chat. Now, let's go over to Mitchell in Portugal, who is at, you were at the Steam Fest that was going on around there. Many people out here that watch this channel are familiar with Steemit and are familiar with Mitchell. But Mitchell has been so busy in the cryptocurrency space, it, it just shows you how big this space is. He's doing things they don't, it, it doesn't, they don't even deal with Bitcoin. So Mitchell's gonna tell us some stuff that's going on outside of Bitcoin uh, with this singularity.net you were telling me about, and of course, a, a Steemit update also, because people want to hear what's going on. So take it away, Mitchell. Right, right. Great to be here, great to be here. First thing you know, I might have this tag here from Steamfest, and uh, Steamfest is the conference for the Steemit.com community, organized by the community, so very excited to see that come together. Yeah, everything is so different from how it used to be in a lot of ways. We've gone through some dramatic changes this year. Obviously on the Bitcoin side, things have exploded in terms of price and in terms of utility and people's interest in the technology, which is fabulous to see. Yes, there's contention on the one side, but this is just what happens when you have what is essentially a new paradigm for how do you want to store your value? People are going to fight over it and open decentralized system, people are going to fork it. We're clear, I'm entirely okay with that, even though it's uh, annoying in the meantime to deal with and I don't really worry about it. I think, I'm not sure whether the Bitcoin experiment will succeed in the long term, but I think that a lot of these forks are just going to be healthy for it as we begin to find our feet culturally. Focus on some of the other kinds of applications and technologies. So yes, having this disinflationary currency or really store of value, not a currency rather, is interesting. But what can we do using blockchain technology specifically? to coordinate large groups of people and to create new kinds of value. So that's what I did both with Steemit Incorporated and with SingularityNet. Now, let's let's talk about Steemit first because that's what, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to welcome the Steam community here to Lisbon and Portugal. We had hundreds of people who are, who are together right now in the Monte Claro in the Lisbon secret spot actually come together and just celebrate all the new technology, meet each other, some, t some people for the first time, a lot of them for the first time, talk about their experiences, their interactions, and a lot of new information about the project was released. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Steam, Steam is this public blockchain based on, it's a graphene-based chain using DPoS that is designed to serve applications in social media particularly. Okay. And they recently launched a feature called SMTs, which will allow anybody to build their own token or to launch their own token with 
a minimal amount of time and energy that's pegged to Steam and built on the Steam blockchain. A lot of a lot of little idle parties in social media with content are starting to come to the service, interested in to build on it. And the important part of there is not just like, okay, the Steam community has grown ridiculously large into the hundreds of thousands of people, and now they have this new technology, it works. The interesting part is regarding SMTs is that people actually want to use them. A lot of businesses, businesses that, you know, not necessarily things that you would consider ahead of the curve are coming and saying, hmm, can I use a blockchain-based incentive? Can I use a blockchain-based value system in order to coordinate my community and generate value for my business in addition to my users? And this is, this is an interesting change that's going on. There's concerns about, of course, the bubble in crypto and how things are exploding. But when you look at real businesses, ask these kinds of questions, people already have millions of users. <clears throat> and they're saying, hey, how can we apply this to our existing structures in a way that produces more net value for everybody? Okay, that's when we know that blockchain is starting to break out. It's starting to actually see utility. Whether those experiments will work, uh, you know, that remains to be seen, of course. But that interest is there and now these things are happening and SMTs on Steam will facilitate that. So that's the, the first part about Steam. Additionally, if anybody's in Lisbon, you guys are welcome to give me a shout. Uh, I'm at Cervanic on Steam or you can message me on Twitter. The other matter was SingularityNet. Uh, SingularityNet is a project that I'm advising that is doing some really strange and interesting things. It's a distributed protocol for coordinating uh, artificial intelligence and related services and then providing access to a global market for the purposes of buying and selling them. It came out of the minds of Ben Goetzel and David Hansen. Ben Goetzel is a famous singularitarian and AI developer based in Hong Kong and of course Robert Hansen is basically the creators of the most well-known and famous humanoid robots in the world. So These guys are top-notch developers and roboticists in their own field and they were working on something called WebMind in the mid-2000s, which was an attempt to create a distributed artificial intelligence ecosystem. So how could you get or create multiple machine learning algorithms and start coordinating, coordinating them at scale and making them easy to coordinate, allow a bunch of parties to come and create their own technology, hook it into the network and create more and more utility as a result. And that project failed because they had no way of having secure consensus. So after a lot of trials last year and earlier this year, they concluded that, okay, a blockchain was suitable to perform these kinds of functions as a value transfer layer, and they are begin developing their blockchain system to coordinate artificial intelligence technology. So it's a very strange, very exciting project to see developed. Yeah, man, this, this that is definitely different. Something I've not not heard of before. And going back to your steam, it, uh, steam, what you were talking about, I had no idea about people building. It seems like issuing tokens on top of it or whatever, whatever you described there. I don't. When when was that information released to the public? So, uh, yeah, good question. SMTs were first announced at Token Summit, but not clarified at all. Token Summit being in June with uh, esteemed William McGuire. And then they were fleshed out in September a little bit with a paper. And uh, additional work has come out along with the rebranding of the steamit.com UX. This came out yesterday, I believe, for the launch of Steamfest. So if you go to steamit.com right now, you notice that some things look a little bit different. And it's just the first phase of the UX changes that are coming. So yeah, finally, the design okay. device was taken. Can I, can I uh, uh, right. talk to you so, about yes. projects? Or we have another guest? No, wait, 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 I wanted to sorry. ask him wait. about his projects. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Richard. Let cool. me preface that with the fact that I'm not a developer. So depending on the technicality of the questions, I may or may not be able to provide value. Richard. All right. It's all good. I'll do my best if I can. Cool. So congrats on building a Reddit with money. If it works, that's cool. Sure. Yeah. Um, my A big problem I have with Singularity supporters and transhumanists in general is that they dream too much and mm -hmm. their dreaming prevents them from doing anything. Yep. So right now I'm a rotting piece of meat and I will be dead soon, just like everyone in my family tree before me. And I must choose to either 
fight that nearly 100% likely outcome using technology that is near term, things like dieting, exercise, uh, maybe CRISPR, maybe CS9 to help, you know, replace stuff that's gone missing. We have technology that's been worked on for quite a few years now and is starting to find utility. Or I could focus on things that look really cool in science fiction, but are 20 to 50 years out. So cold fusion has been uh, 20 years out for 50 years. Every year, it's still 20 years out. It never comes closer. And much of AI, general AI, and much of what singularitarians want is too far out. And like all of the futurists and transhumanists and people that believe in the singularity before them, they will die from boring, crappy stuff like heart disease and uh, cancer, just like everyone else in their family tree did, because their time frame has shifted too far into the future. So as a mission of mine that's way down on my list right now, I'm trying to get these smart, creative, intelligent, useful, commercially productive transhumanist, singularitarians, and uh, futurists to shift their time frames from the very far future, which they're not going to get to see because they're going to be very dead, into the more near term. So I'll give you an example. Are we going to get struck by a meteor that will kill everyone on this planet? Yes, we are. Are we going to detect it in time and shift it? Maybe. We're not really working on it. Now, do I support us not really working on it? Yes, I do. Why? Because it's extremely unlikely. So I'm 100% to die of cancer or heart disease, really 80%, and as fat as I am, we'll call it 90%. So I'm about 90% to die of cancer or heart disease. If I had the option of taking the research funding of the United States and putting it towards singulitar uh, singularitarian ideas like digitizing human consciousness, which is pretty stupid when 4chan hacks your soul, let me tell you, Digital security is a is a war of attrition. It flip-flops between, you know, the attackers win sometimes, the defenders win sometimes. If your soul becomes digital, you're fucked because you're not going to be the most funded party. You're not going to be able to actually protect your own soul. It's very stupid. Not to mention the meat is the memory. The memory doesn't live in the meat. So, you know, if you, if, if you think you can upload your mind, you're wrong. We'll need to recreate every piece of meat that is your mind in order to do that. So first, mind uploading doesn't work. Second, futurist, transhumanist, singularitarians, vision is too far into the future. They're going to be fucking dead. They need to shift their time frames more locally and work on the boring meat space. Uh, third, there ain't no problem with AIs talking to each other. If you understand AI training and data sets and adversarial networks, there's huge bandwidth constraints. And the difference between a supercomputer and a normal computer, for the most part, is the number of nodes, the number of cores, and the communication between them. You know, if you didn't need fast communication between them, everyone just would run it distributed over the internet and everyone could just plug in their own computer. But the the rate at which those nodes can speak to each other is the, the main problem. And so in the AI space, the like maybe communicating amongst AIs is problem number 75 in their list of problems, of, you know, sure. higher problems or training data, uh, you know, getting the hardware you have to to work with the open source software in a great way. Like if you use TensorFlow or I don't know, there's some other Keras, I think is another one that's newer. So anyway, congrats on Steam It. Stop wasting your time with transhumanist crap. Come to the boring meat space. We need more medicine, more things that are near term that might come, you know, when we're alive here. And uh, the AI thing is probably just buzzwords, but if you make a lot of money and transition it into something good, great sure do you mind if i respond to that please that's the idea <laughs> great great so firstly on the meteor note i think that's that's more likely than not uh, my concern is like i have the same concern to you why aren't we funding that especially since when we look at the archaeological and historical record strange cosmic impacts are more common than they than they first seem but uh, you know that's a little bit of a different discussion second with regards to pragmatism or with regards to the singularitarian project I'm not a transhumanist, I'm not a singularitarian. Uh, I try to be, to the utmost of my ability, ruthlessly pragmatic because I have the same concerns that you do. Life is too short to waste on bullshit projects and stupid ideas. And it's not simply wasting it. If we encourage other people to waste it, then we make the mistake of misallocating capital 
and resources, and we're never necessarily going to get those back. And I think it's, if we have a, a knowledge that something is a waste of our time, we if it's a moral, it's morally bad to throw resources and time. It's just like you're literally wasting things. It's like feeding chaos and and crushing of one's soul when you look behind and say, "Wow, what I did there was meaningless." But you know that really frustrates me. I, I certainly don't want to live that life. Now, in the case of Singularity Net, uh, when they first approached me, I was like, guys, this looks trippy. It's nice that you have these ideas, but I had precisely the same approach that you did. I was like, there's real projects for me to be working on. There's actual problems that we need solved or interesting experiments, social and incentive structure experiments that we could be running here that could improve people's lives over the next you know, one year, two years. Things we could work on building blockchain-based infrastructure for finance or five or 10-year projects. Because there's really big fish to fry so why the hell should I give a damn about your AI project? I don't even know that much about AI. And what really started to push me over the edge was, was meeting the team and seeing the demand from the various parties that was coming in, their existing AI work, and their their goals, of course, of facilitating, a, as they call it, a long-tail AI market for AI, and the big partners who they have on board who are very well and large established corporations who want to push this forward. And I was like, hmm, you know, what's going on here? What are these people doing? I need to understand what the actual market application is, how this makes people's lives better as soon as it launches. Not some kind of AGI project. Although they want to build artificial general intelligence, that's good for them. That's not my primary concern. My primary concern is, well, can you build value? Can you create economic value today in a way that improves the economy in such a way that those benefits pass to many people? Can you take the rewards of the technology that these devs are building and maybe concentrate it in their hands, which is what we're seeing with some of the applications that people are going to be putting on the, on the network at an early stage. That's what brought me over to come and work with them, the, the practical expressions like, wow, you can create real economic value and change people's lives here by giving them a network for them to offer their services all over the world. And that, as you said, as you noted, that's not going to work for a lot of things, not a lot of components of AI, and I, I totally agree with that but it'll work for some things and it's something we don't have at present. So that's like uh, my, my response there. My interest in the project and my reason for supporting it is a business one because there's a market demand for the service and because I, I hope in so far as markets work that market demand says that, okay, there's actual value to be created here. Maybe someone should go out and do that. And like you, I don't want people to waste their time on stupid things like that. That would be well, I mean, soul does, There's a chance that that uh, the idea of the business isn't properly described by middleware between AI devs. Maybe there's other utility that, that I don't understand. So I'm not I'm not going right. to say it's a bad project. I'm just... It could also be my explanation. Like, yeah, I have to take full responsibility as a, not a developer myself. Yeah. So thank you for hearing it out and having that consideration. Good. Uh, by the way, everyone, links below to all these guys and what they're talking about. Pound that like button. Obviously, if we're talking about AI and all this stuff, there's nothing to worry about with 2X. People are getting into other things. There are other subject matters out there floating around crypto land. That's what you could take away from all of this. Uh, Mitchell, I know you you actually have to go pretty soon, but I, I wanted to ask you, what, since we're talking, we're way beyond Bitcoin right now. I have one last way beyond Bitcoin question for, for you. I met a guy named Adam here in Tel Aviv, and he's working on this Zen protocol thing. Can you tell us quickly what you know about that? Because I, well, the reason I bring this up is because it's such a small world. I meet this guy, Adam, in Tel Aviv, and you know him. And so because of that, right. bring up the Zen. What, this, what is this Zen protocol thing? What the heck? Okay, so Adam, that's Adam Perlow you're talking about. Uh, Adam is a friend of mine. Uh, he's a lover of finance, and his whole team is a lover of finance. And when they looked at the current situation, they're also a bunch of Bitcoin maximalists, curiously enough. So they looked at the, the situation with Bitcoin, they looked at the existing technologies coming about, most especially they looked at Rootstock, and they concluded that, okay, we would like more of a, a future economy to be based on Bitcoin, and we don't think Rootstock is necessarily going to perform these functions adequately. And so they designed their own smart contract platform, which is called the Zim Protocol, that they claim is specifically optimized for use with Bitcoin. And has a number of interesting, very curious uh, technical innovations. I would say incremental technical innovations that are worth looking at. For, but it, it's more like a, a competitor for Ethereum's EVM that the Rootstock is going to be taking than than anything else. Now, the most interesting part about Zem Protocol 
is that it, of course, watches, so to speak, the Bitcoin blockchain. So that there's some there's a kind of functionality between the two that could provide serious future utility. For example, it allows you to have publicly transparent collateral when you're making options contracts. So you could have a, your options contract on the Zen protocol, and then you could have collateral tied up in Bitcoin that's provably backing that contract. And that's very interesting because it opens up the ability to create a lot of new and interesting contracts in a decentralized way where for people who might nece not necessarily be able to do it otherwise. So as Adam would describe it to me, he creates a, a long tails for financial instruments and derivatives. And that's and the, the latter part is the reason that I think the project is most interesting. It would let us roll out all sorts of interesting financial instruments onto the Bitcoin blockchain I, we, have, we don't really have a conception as to where that innovation could go yet. In addition, there's lots of businesses looking at the, applying that particular protocol already. So it's good on the business development side as well. You'll be able to do other things with it too, like ICOs and stuff, but that's not really interesting to me. Uh, that's valuable to many people, no doubt, but the most valuable part is bringing more financial instruments to Bitcoin and bringing alternatives, like completely separate alternatives to the way that the Ethereum EVM operates to the table. So it should be a, a very exciting experiment to see run. They're, they're very good thinkers and they really believe in Bitcoin and they're gonna put 100% of their, their A game behind it. All right, pound that like button, Bitcoin maximalist. Uh, all right, before we move on to the next subjects, does anyone have any questions for anyone on the panel? Any panel members have, because we've just said so many things, gotten into so many discussions. Robert, you got any questions? Uh, uh, Mitchell, you got any questions? Richard, any questions? I, I got a comment. So this uh, yes. Ben Gertzel, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. Gertzel is not the easiest thing to spell. G-O-E-R-T-Z-E-L. Yeah. He wants to use AI to cure longevity. I he think wants that, to do a lot of crazy stuff. I think the time frame is a little too far out, but I love the idea. At least he's trying to do the right thing. At least he's interested right. in curing the right thing. So I would actually give a shout out to the project Go check out Ben Gertzel's uh, Singularity.net. Maybe it's good. Check it out. At least the guy. .io. What is it? Singularitynet.io. Man, you guys are going to lose a lot of traffic to the normal .net. I dude. know, man. <laughs> I know. I know. I Believe me, I'm feeling that. Uh, yeah. So go to the .io of the .net. Or, uh, fuck. Google it. I'll, I'll write the link. And I'll send the link. I'll cover you guys. The curses are flying, guys. The curses are flying <laughs> all right, all right. R R R Robert, did you have something to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, Ben Gertzel, I saw his stuff on YouTube a number of years before I even got involved in Bitcoin. I kind of wish I had learned about them in reverse order, like some others. Learned about Bitcoin earlier in the years when I, 2009 or so, when I first heard about Ben Gertzel's work on AI. But yeah, I, I don't know what, what the future holds for his work, but I'm sure it's going to be good stuff. Yeah, and I would say like it would like uh, incrementalism. Sometimes even if you know you can't hit a home run on a certain project, sometimes there's value in taking the first steps so that people who come after you can, can get there. And uh, so maybe some of these people who are doing this really ambitious work on AI, maybe they won't achieve the and world-changing stuff, but someone has to take the first steps. Very, very good point. Agree. And a good, a good point about it would have been great to get into Bitcoin first because then you could make a lot of money with uh, Bitcoin and then invest all that into awesome AI technologies instead of, you know, dreaming about AI first and then getting into Bitcoin late. I, I see what you well, mean there. It's <laughs> never um, too late. Uh, it's never too no, late to get into Bitcoin. And that's right. And it's still it is still early, people. It is still early. Okay, so let's let's circle back into the traditional cryptocurrency. Uh, and I wanted to I ask Rich. Going, sir. Let me just right. uh, say my goodbyes uh, and one comment. I very much like the approach of these two gentlemen with regards oh. to incremental improvement. Um, from my perspective, if the kind of work that we're doing in this space for all the madness that goes on can save, I don't know, the globe. A, you know, half a percent of their living costs per day, then it will be a momentous achievement because that's how you make progress in this world. You go step by step yes. and you make people happy in simple, practical ways. But uh, I like it. 
Yeah, that's my approach. Gentlemen, it's been it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your All time. Right. Of course, thank you to our gracious Thanks host. I will yes. bid you all adieu. And his links are below. And if, if Mitchell, you want to give me any more links, I'll put them on after the show too. So um, I, 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 you know, you're talking about the incremental approach and I, I guess the slow and steady. T I, I wanted to say, Robert, you're doing over at Beagle. That's what you guys are okay. doing. All right, see is uh, at, at Beagle is taking their time. They're not rushing. They're not jumping into this type of thing. They're not, they, they're doing it slowly and they're doing it carefully. And I just wanted to, uh, because people are like, well, what are they going to do replay protection? What are they going to do this? What? Why haven't they started yet? And Robert, you guys are taking your time because you don't want it to break. You want it to be, well, when it goes live, you want it to work. And you got to also keep in mind that the other, the other forks that we're talking about have uh, huge corporations of people who claim to have huge amounts of Bitcoin and who own massive mining uh, conglomerates backing these forks. This this fork was started by one guy uh, as a, a, a as a hobby. He has a he has a full time job at a major tech company. He was doing this uh, in his off hours. So that's how Bitcoin Gold got started. But the idea was just so good. And as we uh, iterated on the idea and brought in more people and you know filtered the good ideas down and the community just started growing and it became a lot bigger than anyone would have thought from uh, starting off it as just an idea like that. And uh, so that's where we are with with Beagle and it shows that it's the, the idea can over, if it's a good idea that can overcompensate for not having the kind of celebrity supporters or uh, big corporate factions that other forks have. And so that's what we're trying to prove in this experiment and we'll see what happens with uh, in the coming months, huh? Yeah, it should it should be interesting to see uh, what what the market is going to determine what it's worth and uh, how it's going to compare to two X and B cash, etc. I wanted to ask uh, Richard, what what do you do? You, do you have any specific thoughts on this B gold situation as a friendly I, fork? And has your mind changed about crypto dividends, friendly forks, unfriendly forks since the last time we talked? Because I I've, I've heard some people tell me like Richard it doesn't. He's not, he doesn't seem to be a big fan of forks, but I wanted to hear it straight from you. So go ahead. I, I think every fork with replay protection is a beautiful experiment on things that might be great. So if you fork and copy the, the best consensus code that exists in the entire world, that's a heck of a good starting place. And then if you uh, improve on it, change it, experiment with it, and actually find a community to support it, you know, if you, if you do a proof of work change like Beagold, it's good as long as people mine it. You've onboarded a bunch of great users. You've got, you know, you've copied the UTXO and now uh, they can go and compete. You know, it's another cryptocurrency that slightly competes and uh, more power to them. I mean, your option, if you don't, if you don't like forks, your option is a bunch of scammy ICOs, pump and dump deals where people put money in and then they never get it back out. So I'd much rather have honest, replay protection forks for innovation and experimentation instead of scammy pump and dump ICOs where your, their starting place is vaporware and it transitions into more vaporware. I mean, with a, with a fork of Bitcoin, you're starting at the best possible place. You've got an onboarded set of users that are the most likely to be able to interact in that ecosystem. It's a great recipe for experimentation, much superior recipe than ICOs or, or startups in general. So I'm okay, completely for friendly forks. Yeah, so that he just made it very clear. And thank you for clarifying that because, you know, you read all these comments in the comments section. It's it's better just to ask the source. And that was straight from the horse's mouth right there. He's a fan of friendly forks, as am I. I mean, what what's the harm? They're definitely better than ICOs. ICOs ask you to give them money and then they might give you something. Uh, this is free money. This is... These uh, friendly forks, they're giving you something if you hold the root coin, if you if you hold the Bitcoin. So it is going to be an interesting 2018 to see who else does this, if, if anyone else does I, this. I should say one more uh, thing about how good these forks are. If you wanted to see alts go down and Bitcoin go up, they used to move kind of ample. Alts used to amplify Bitcoin. Bitcoin went up, alts went up more. Bitcoin went down, alts went down more. Now, because of forks and because of these crypto dividends, when Bitcoin goes up, the alts die. I like that. 
I like it when the alts die and give all their money back to the real coin that needs the liquidity to compete against global currencies. It is a liquidity war. Currency is liquidity war. The one with the largest mass of liquidity is the better currency, usually. So uh, these forks and these crypto dividends are the only way that I've ever seen and may ever see that will cause the alts to go down and push Bitcoin up. And I love that. Love it, baby. Pound that like button. So imagine the Bitcoin blockchain has evolved into something like the uh, the seven-headed hydra from Greek Greek mythology, where it has multiple heads emerging. The first head was Bcash, and then we had out of nowhere, no one thought a Beagle would come out. Now we're having B2X, and a whole you know Rhett Creighton has his own fork of Beagle. Now there's going to be dozens of of new forks of Bitcoin over the coming year. I, and I, the good one, the good, yeah, the good ones, hopefully some of the, the good innovations for some of the forks will eventually get incorporated into the main Bitcoin in some future hard fork. What one of the, uh, the, the analogy that I like to use for altcoins and uh, other cryptocurrencies is that Bitcoin's the shopping mall and all the altcoins are the food court. So you would think that more altcoins is worse because they're going to take away some money from the mall. It's not the case. More little restaurants in the food court, though they compete with each other, they bring more demand to the shopping mall. So all of these, even these shitty, scammy ICO altcoins, for the most part, are actually still good for Bitcoin financially because you got to buy Bitcoin to buy them. And they're just little food stalls in the food court of the Bitcoin shopping mall. It's the analogy I use. And the, and the forks are even better because it makes people who hold alts have an opportunity cost to holding the alts instead of Bitcoin. So anyone you know who's thinking straight, at least in my opinion, would want to get into Bitcoin before if if before the fork if they think that fork's going to have any value in the market. I agree. That's a good so, point about the opportunity cost. Yeah, that's a good way of phrasing it. Very good analogies we're throwing around here too. There. Uh, Richard, that, that was very good. Uh, speaking of altcoins, um, you, Richard, you've been you've been outspoken. Uh, some would say uh, about Ethereum, and uh, I, I've been looking at Ethereum, and I think as a, a platform to to distribute tokens, it it's the best one out there. Now, if that is that a legitimate use case for anything, I mean, I guess that's arguable, but. I think it's a good, if you want to distribute a token, if you want to do it for free, or if you want to charge people, it seems to be pretty good at that. Uh, what do you think about that? Are, I mean, are you still down on Ethereum? I, I'm assuming you are, but go ahead. So I, I think Ethereum is a giant security nightmare. They have had endless security failures. Some of those failures directly because of decisions made in the Ethereum EVM, like requiring you to declare a variable as private. And then if you don't, you lose all your money, which is what happened with uh, the the multi-sig hack and parity. Uh, you know, they, they didn't use the EVM the way they should have. And the EVM was designed poorly so as to make people commonly make mistakes. So basically Ethereum, because of their bad security model and bad choices in the EVM, and bad choices in having competing implementations, not a quorum of implementations, but competing real time, Geth won't agree with parity. And then you have to turn your wallet off. That's it, the network's down. I mean, their network has gone down in 2017, four or five times the exchange wallets have been turned off. That doesn't happen in Bitcoin. Well, maybe when these forks happen, they, they get paused for a shorter period of time. Um, so, you know, they, they created a, a, a sand trap, a, a quicksand trap to get developers to try and use buggy very, very hard not to make buggy code. I mean, if you write code, bugs is the law. You're going to have bugs. And so if you write code in Ethereum, when you have those bugs, you lose all your money. So the DAO got hacked, the multi-sig and parity got hacked. Their, their contracts are getting hacked left and right. And it's not avoidable. If you make a Turing complete language, you have created the maximum security surface, attack surface, where you'll have the maximum number of bugs and it becomes impossible to secure. So that ecosystem will continue to lose money to hacks forever, basically. Now, 
if you try to implement a, a, a formalized rule set for your programming language, you still get hacked because formalization just fails and all the points outside of the formalization, all the other things that input data, those things fail. You can't test them all. Now that's just the problems technically. They also have problems with money. All these idiots have given their money to ICOs. The ICOs take their money and then dump it for gold, cash, stocks. And some of them, for some reason, haven't done that yet. So as the price goes down from 0 0.15, 0 0.80, 0 0.70, 0 0.6, 0.4, it's 0.40 now, I think. Yeah. So guess what? Those ICO guys that actually hold all the Ethereum, they're going to race for the exits because whoever gets out first, whatever pump and dump scammer gets out first, gets a lot of real money for his uh, Ethereum tokens. And I don't think we've even seen the race for the exits yet. So if you if you thought Ethereum was a good deal at 0 0.40, boy, I'll bet you'll love it at 0 0.04, right? So you know, I, uh, I, I. Now that being said, I mean, if I, I haven't made the decision yet, but on my ICO, probably I hate that term. Forget I said that. When I have this <laughs> token thing that's a SAF, that's accredited investors only, and blah blah blah, whatever that's called. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that that pro it's a contract for future tokens. When that product exists, yeah. I might use some the minimum number of parts possible from the Ethereum project, maybe, maybe. So I, I might find a way to make it less risky to use for my use case. But overall, okay. if there's any other way to do it, I'd rather do it any other way. Like if Rootstock, so, if Rootstock was up, I'd rather use that probably. Okay, so let, let me ask you a, a question that kind of deals with this. Uh, when, where do you see the Bitcoin dominance being uh, in three months? Since you, you are saying that Ethereum, which is the number two cryptocurrency right now, it's it's going to be worth less soon yeah. enough. So you you are clearly bullish, I think, on Bitcoin dominance yeah. going up. Do, At do, least 80%. At okay. least 80%. Because, I mean... Wall Street has so much money and it's coming into the real blue chip, the real Bitcoin. That's it. <laughs> so like, you know, uh, how many successful dApps are there in the Ethereum ecosystem? Zero. How many hacks are there? Tons. How much Google searches? They're, they're like eight times less Google searches for Ethereum than Bitcoin now. But, but that we, we ship has sailed. How about blind diversification by these Wall Street people? Just they, they're coming in a lit. They're not. They're saying, "Hey, we we just can't buy Bitcoin. We are going to have to diversify into some of the uh, these other ones." People that um, are smart enough to diversify are smart enough not to buy a chart that looks like this. <laughs> <laughs> They'd rather diversify a thing like they'll diversify across things doing this, right? So. Yeah. I don't. I don't think blind diversification will save a project that's gone from 0.15 to 0.40. It's already down four times, four x from its peak to Bitcoin. That's bad, and it ain't getting better. Now, very, very, very interesting. Uh, and one and one last question for you here. Uh, you you've, so apparently you had a B cash guest on or something. I know you're not a B. A Bcash fan here, but you are a numbers fan. You're a guy who admits that this is a, a crazy market. People just buy into things, pump up things. Uh, with the upcoming 2x, uh, with all the FUD that's going around, with some big players behind Bcash, and, and you know, Robert mentioned a conspiracy theory. Do, do you see Bcash being pumped up? Yeah. Uh, it's it's already appro it's approaching point one. I would have to think it's going to go over point one pretty soon. Um, and not based on technicals, just based on people's insanity and on rumors and FUD. So if you didn't pump it, you don't know when they're going to dump it. So if you're the last mover and you're the last guy to notice and you didn't buy it when it was cheap and you're like, oh, look, this thing's going up. I'm going to get in. There's a chance, a pretty good chance that as soon as you get in, they dump it because you were the last guy to know. So if you're the last guy to know on the pump, you're going to be the last guy to know on the dump. And since you didn't pump it, you don't know when it's going to dump. So right now, the play is they're kind of pump Bcash's price up to try and attack the network again, hope STX causes some drama, and hope they can get some more miners. But as you saw, they already took half the miners, and it didn't mean anything. No one cared. Now, 
Maybe they'll get 40% of the miners. Maybe they'll get 60. Maybe they'll get 85. No one cares. It doesn't matter. Network difficulty will readjust. Fees will go up. Miners will come and get the new fees. It all self-balances. No big deal, right? So they're going to try their little pump and dump scam again where they drive the price up, hope to get some miners, hope to cause some drama, S2X causes some problems. But when they fail again, just like they did the first time, when they had a better chance, they had a much better chance the first time because people didn't know that these things were likely to fail because they'd never seen one takeover attempt fail before. That was the first time. They got half the miners. Maybe it'll work. It didn't work, right? So now their chances are less because now, let's say S2X becomes its own token. Now they've got to compete against two parties. They've got to compete against uh, S2X miners and Bitcoin core miners. That leaves less miners left over for their crap coin. So sure, short term, price could pump. Will it dump? Yes. Will they succeed? No. They had their chance. They failed. Uh, and I wouldn't suggest being the last guy in on a pump and dump because you're going to be holding the bag when they flip the switch. Excellent commentary. I agree with you. I see all these dudes on Twitter, and maybe they're not even real people. I don't know. They seem, they seem so naive. They're like, Bcash is the real Bitcoin. Oh, it's going up. I mean, it's. I, I understand why people want to hype their own coin. I, I just don't understand why people want think this is their coin. I don't. I don't know why anyone would even be behind this. Uh, I guess it's the dream of having the next Bitcoin. I don't know. For me, it's so simple, and it's always been so simple. Own the real Bitcoin, never sell it, and just live it, baby. Because a year ago, it was $700. Now it's $7,000. I mean, what else can I say? It's that simple. It really is that simple sometimes. And yeah, short term, short term, there are going to be some problems. So what? Think long term, people. Yes, Robert. Yeah, I think that's one of the best ways you can tell who's a scammer, what's a scam and what's not. It's if someone's telling you, trying to get you to give up your Bitcoin. When I when I first uh, discovered you about a year ago, your show, one of the things I liked about you was you were telling people, always hold your Bitcoin. Whatever other advice, whatever other plays that there are out there, are out there just don't sell your Bitcoin. And, you know, you look at the Bcash fork, uh, Rocketman, woo, he went on a, there was a, a conference, a live conference in September, and he claimed that he sold all of his Bitcoin for Bcash. So obviously he's trying to get other people to to follow him and do that. So if you're trying to tell people to sell their Bitcoin, you're a scammer or you're an idiot. But, uh, you know, Bitcoin Gold, we've never told people to sell their Bitcoin for Bitcoin Gold. We say, we told people buy Bitcoin before the fork so you can get some of this crypto dividend for free. Um, never want to make people give away their Bitcoin because there's nothing more valuable in the world of uh, money than Bitcoin. So, so, so true, so true. I want to I want to thank Boris out in the super chat for the uh, seven Australian dollars. All right, we're we're at the end of the show now. It's time for the conclusionary thoughts. Robert, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you start. Uh, give us some conclusionary B gold thoughts. Um, say whatever's on your mind, give links, give updates, just take it away. The floor is yours. All right. Let me just say uh, thank you for having me on your show. It's been incredible. I've, uh, you know, like the concluding thing I'll say about Beagle today is that, remember, this is just an idea. It's not, it doesn't live or die with one, one day or one, um, you know, one price measurement at a certain time. This is a long-term thing and it's gonna have multiple iterations, multiple dimensions. This is part of Bitcoin's evolution. So just uh, just stay tuned and... Yes, I, you know what? I, I get this feeling that there will be more people holding on to their Beagle than we're holding on to their Bcash. I don't know, I think people have learned how these how these things work now, how these- It's a way for, let me, I forgot to say, let me just say, this is a way for people to, it is a way for people to express their political opinion relative to the other forks like B2X or Bcash. If you really despise those other ones, you wanna dump those. You think a friendly fork is okay, maybe you wanna hold that or, or buy some because if people can see in the charts, the Beagle price being competitive or going higher than some of those uh, hostile forks, that would send a message, I think so. 
That's, it. That, that's an interesting point. I would love to see the Friendly Fork do better than the hostile ones. I don't know if we live in that world or not, but we shall see. We shall see. All right, uh, Richard, your, your conclusionary thoughts, anything you'd like to add? Anything, just anything. Sure. Um, long term, Wall Street's getting in. Might be one month, might be two months, might be three months. We're going to grab an easy triple. Before Wall Street gets in, we're up against this logarithmic trend line. Might have a 10% pullback, might have a 30% pullback. Might consolidate above the level and shoot right to the moon from here. We'll see how it goes, right? In, in the trading world, they always say this time's different. This time's never different. So right now, I still believe in the log, the, the log trend where we bounce off of uh, 72 to 7,300. Go down to maybe 6,700. We'll see, right? You got to let the market tell you. you. Right now, we're in that decision zone. Is this support or is it resistance? Once we get up and consolidate above or below it, we'll, we'll have more data. Uh, buy and hold Bitcoin is the best. You get all your crypto dividends. You get all your friendly forks. You know, this is a social system. This system only works because of checks and balances of, of participants. So if you don't like what the S2X guys are doing and you'd rather get free money with, uh, with some replay protection, let them know. Let them know. Tell them. Tell Jeff Garzik. Tell anyone that has power in their silly ecosystem that you want your free token. You don't want any contentious crap. That's it. Dude, that is beautiful. Everyone, have a strong hand with your Bitcoin. You never know what's up next. You never know what drama is up next. Ignore the drama, people. All right. Thank you to all of my guests. It was a blast. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. We do this every Friday. Who knows what time it'll be at. But I do post a new show here every day. It's not This Week in Bitcoin every day, but it's some show every day. So I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister. Remember to subscribe to this channel, like this video, share this video. Pound that like button. Thanks again, everyone. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Don't good. say anything yet. I'm still live on my side. I got to turn off my yeah. stream of you. It was good talking with you guys. See ya. All right. So guys, what's up chat? Now's your chance. Now that I'm not staring at a, a Google call and I can curse again. Thank goodness. Although a fair number of people complain about my cursing as well in my channel. Chat, you got any questions? I'm looking through here. Go to my Twitter, subscribe, Richard Hart, win. Heart like the one in your chest for spelling. There in my profile, you'll find links to my Telegram channel, my Discord channel, my sub, I don't have a subreddit, but my Reddit profile, all that cool stuff. Go, subscribe, subscribe here, hit the like button, etc. Someone says the chat was boring. Well, man, now's your chance to make it interesting. Post something smart and useful. I will comment. Is Beagle a good fork? Yes, it is a good fork. They're friendly. They're trying to do GPU mining for Bitcoin again. More power to them. I hope it works. Uh, someone is making a Jordan Peterson reference. They say, Richard has sorted himself out and cleans his room. Jordan Peterson says, uh, you know, get yourself figured out before you start trying to change the world. Eh. A lot, most of his stuff is pretty cool. I'm a, I'm a Peterson fan to some degree. What else? No, I'm not Satoshi. How come the numbers on coin market cap aren't real? Because I could sell uh, my left sock for a million dollars to my friend and I have another sock. So the market cap of my two socks market is now $2 million. Obviously stupid. When do I expect Bcash to dump? As soon as they are discovered to have failed making an impact as they did the first time. Same with the second time. So if real Bitcoin loses some hash power and it doesn't matter, then the price will dump again. Didn't we break the log channel already? Eh, depends on how you draw it. Depends on where you trade. So it's, we're right on the line. Sometimes we're a tiny bit over it. Sometimes we're a tiny bit under it. 
you know, until you start doing 12 hour and 24 hour closes above the line, I, I wouldn't say that we've broken it for any significant period. Do I think price will drop during the S2 forks? Uh, I think price will go up into it and then drop slightly before it and, uh, and then after it and then back up again. That's what happened with B gold too. So it's, it seems like a pretty reasonable play. People, you know, coin values higher before the airdrop fork. It's less after, then it goes back up. Maybe they meet in the middle. Maybe it's not even that uh, exciting. I gravitate you because of the cursing. All right. Have I ever studied uh, cannabis? I don't care about cannabis. Are you against ICOs? Eh, I'm against I'm against scammy ICOs. I'm against bad ICOs. I think good ICOs are great. Have fun. Nuclear project? Yeah, I know some guys that are working on low energy nuclear reactions and uh, they've got some cool results. So I shot some video for them and I'm waiting to their, for their paper to be published and see what the peer review looks like. All right, guys, your questions, they were okay, but they were not good enough for me to not go and watch the Bitcoin markets. So it's been a pleasure. Subscribe, like, tell your friends, all that good jazz, and I will talk to you next time.